Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers show on the Believe Network. I'm Mark Bergen, joined as always by Pittsburgh Steelers scout and two-time Super Bowl champion Ike Taylor. IT, I'm very excited to have today's guest. A little bit of tension in the air because it's a player you competed against. He's also a Super Bowl champion. Not really. Yeah, well, he played tight end for the Jets, Bucks, and Ravens. Also the host of the Believe in Ravens podcast. We welcome in Daniel Wilcox. Ike, welcome in our guest today, and we'll take off from there. Yeah, Daniel Wilcox, man. Come on, boy. Let's go ahead on slide down in, man. You know, <laughs> tight end, played at Appalachian State from the uh, great state of Georgia, Decatur. That is, played with a few teams. Uh, one of the teams I'm just going to mention because we played them all the time. Uh, he has them on right now, the Baltimore Ravens. We all know them kind of uh, stories. We didn't did all them kind of hard-fought games, uh, either – Either either it was the Pittsburgh Steelers or it was the Baltimore Ravens when we was playing coming out of the AFC North. And even though we really, 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 really disliked each other, we know whichever one was getting in or trying to go make a run to the Super Bowl, who was going to represent. So between us and the Baltimore Ravens, um, I mean, Daniel knows this just as better as anybody, man. It's, it's, it was a mutual respect that we really did dislike each other. But at the same time, when the game was over, we both felt like this is how the game should have been played. So we, I, I just, I just feel like um, every time we play Baltimore, Mark and D, just correct me if I'm wrong. Daniel, um, the blueprint from the drafting part to the locker room to playing football highs, played on the field was uh, disrespectful on the field towards us. But once the game was over, we just had a lot of love and respect for each other. So, um, um, ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Wilcox. You know, um, Appalachian State tight end played with a few teams, but I'm just gonna remember him as a remember him as a Baltimore Ravens because that's just love and respect. Um, I got not only for him but just for that team. So just give a little recap on uh, what you're doing now, Daniel. Uh, the games we played between us two, and what you got going on in the future, D. Well, right now I'm back home in Atlanta, Georgia. I am um, co-host to the Believe in the Ravens podcast, but um, also I have my own profit, my own um, nonprofit company. I'm still running my my nonprofit business, uh, doing camps and stuff like that as well here in Atlanta. Um, also, I have a, a, a business where I build custom homes, where I'm building um, designer homes and custom kitchens and custom bathrooms, custom basements, stuff like that. If it ain't custom, don't call me, you know, but, um, you know, I mean, I, and I try to stay active. Man. I got two sons, man. I, my, my 17 year old is a, is a baseball and football guy. He's um, top five, top 10 first basements in the state of Georgia right now. And, um, you know, just trying to get him ready and prepared, man, and give him an opportunity to go do some great things on that next level. Uh, hopefully he can get a chance to to not follow in his father's footstep, but, you know, run some new shoes up through that way and see what happens, man. I, I'm blessed to have two talented young kids and um, both boys and both get on to do, go ahead and represent the Wilcox Strickland name, man, and, and do great things in the future. So excited. I mean, I, you said the best, man. Um, it was a it was a love hate mutual respect you know relationship between the Steelers and the Ravens and it always will be you know but I think we played football the way football was supposed to be played you know you know a lot of rule changes now it's like two hand touch you know but back then but well, we set the standard for what real football looked like and people we got up for those games they got up for those games and it was like a heavyweight it was a heavyweight fight 
every single time. And we knew it was going to be somebody that was going to come out of the out of our, the AFC North that was going to have a shot at the Super Bowl every single year before the season started. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to Ozzy. Um, Ozzy was the GM for the for the Baltimore Ravens Hall of Fame GM. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Kevin Colbert for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think he'll be a Hall of Fame GM as well. Those two had the same blueprint. We want guys who are very violent and just love the game of football. Absolutely. And when Pittsburgh played the Baltimore Ravens, that's exactly what you what you've seen from both of the two organizations or franchises. So. Yeah, man, it just brings back memories. Um, between Ed Reed, it's it's a lot of guys I looked up to, uh, on that side of town, the Baltimore Ravens, and I actually got to play against them. So, but it's just like you know, it's just like that pitch up backyard football. It's just so happened we was in the NFL who was doing it, you know. So, um, I tell people all the time, like, you if you can just sum up football in two words, I just call it organized violence. That's all it is. So, That's it. especially when we played. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. We are 10 days away from the NFL draft. Playoffs for both NBA and NHL are underway. And if you want to place a bet on any of the action, betonline.ag is the place to do it. What you need to do, go to betonline.ag today. Use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Now back to our conversation with Daniel Wilcox. Yeah, man, just just appreciate you really just just coming on the show. Um, we talk about us being dads and, and being in our kids' lives. And, and I just think um to to that point, because my son is getting highly recruited. He plays safety. We just, we just got back from Tennessee. So mm-hmm. um, we had a recruiting visit at Tennessee that went real well, but it's like our six or eight, six to eighth. Visit, visit, but yeah. um, you always you you always want your kid to be better than you, and us playing at this level, um, kids can be, can either go two ways. D, they can go the way with another, never live up to their father's potential, or they'll pass their father's potential. And right, right now, just from the way you're talking, and I think I can attest to this because we both feel the same way. Like, you know, my my son is ten times better than me at that age right yeah. now. So he could have abused what he had, um, could have been lazy, but he chose to go a whole different route. Obviously, if your son is being ranked or your kids being ranked that high and they moving um, into an upward direction, your kids ain't taking what you do for them from granted either. So that's right. a good thing about being a dad. Being a dad, you always want your kid to be better than you, especially at an earlier age because they got the resources we didn't have at the time and they're not taking advantage of it. So round of applause not only to you, um, and your significant other or your or, or your um other one. Yeah, but uh just just listening to you talk, man, it, it, they say it all the time, teamwork make the dream work. And, and yes, even sir. though me and my son um yeah, is not together anymore. We feel we feel like we're just great co parents. So teamwork do make the dream work. Um, especially when you're dealing with a kid. So just congratulations to that whole household, uh D, and that's that's really what I wanted to say because just listening to you talk about your kids, man, you know, they either go two ways. Um, it's a lot of it's a lot of it's a lot of pressure on our kids that they don't even know. But just off of our success, that just come with that just come with the territory. So um my co-host Mark, man, I, I really can't speak for him. I just hear a few words for him. I think he's in a transition of finding somebody he really loves. Hopefully he'll jump that broom. <laughs> uh, coming down. 
coming down the tube. Mark solo right solo. now. He's solo right now, Mark. No, nah, not nah, really. He, he's in a he's in a serious relationship, but I, I just got a feeling. I got a gut feeling deep. Congratulations, that, um, Mark. She, she's take your time. She's take your time. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Nah, Mark. Nah, but, um, tell him. Tell him to take his time, Mike. Uh, Carolina is the best. It's it's funny, Dan. You mentioned the custom. The custom. If it's not custom, don't do it. I actually just closed and bought a home, so it's just like you're you're saying all of this, and it's amazing to me because I hear about the ne- thank you, thank you. I hear about the next generation, and Ike and I talk all the time about the similarities between the Steelers and the Ravens between the two franchises. One thing I wanted to ask you: Ike played for both. Bill Cower and Mike Tomlin, you played for both Brian Billick and for John Harbaugh. What I wanted to ask you is what the differences were playing for two coaches that were at the helm of elite level franchises. Man, it's, it's crazy that you asked that. And, you know, I had Mike too down in Tampa before he came to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So I had Tomlin okay. too as well, but uh, that's my dog, you know. Um, but when, you, when we came in and when I got to Baltimore, I had just left NFL Europe. And I had one of those Bear Bryant coaches over there, you know, Pete Hartnichek, and he was in that whole Bear, you know, pass every single day, 10 weeks straight, 10 games. Every day we got a full pass on, never, never put the shorts on. We had to rebel just to get them to put shorts on at the end of the season. It's crazy. You know, then I got to Baltimore and then Brian Billick, you can tell instantly that he was a former player. You know, he really took care of our bodies, really understood like how beat up we are after game days. And, you know, of course, everybody get victory Monday. If you win, you get Monday off. You know, but if you don't, then you got to come in, lift, run, watch film, do whatever you got to do. And then you get that Tuesday off. And I spent my whole Tuesdays in the communities doing things in the community. And um, and then the rest of the week, you know, you would see the strategic, you know, kind of, you know, all right, let's dial back, dial back, get ready because we got to play this big game coming up this week. And Billy just did a great job of taking care of us. And it it was the same thing in training camp, you know. Um, you know, so you'll have like, you know, we'll have two days in training camp and then like he would give the older guys like that second practice off and it'd just be a special team practice, the whole thing. You know, he'd do stuff like that. But then when Harbaugh came in, for some reason, he he felt like he needed to toughen us up. It's like we we like the toughest team in the league besides the Steelers. Like it, it ain't nobody tougher than the Ravens and the Steelers in the whole league. So he had this mindset for right. some reason that he needed to toughen us up. And he came in, he just went hard. He was going to like, he want to make sure that it wasn't, you know, we weren't going to take care of your bodies early on. So I had a little bit of a warp experience with him because I got him in his very first year. And Ike knows this as well as I do. And any, any player do, you know, once you retire, you don't get it when you're playing. But when you retire and you look at it, it's always harder to come in. It's always easier. It's always smarter. Let me say smarter. It's always smarter to come in like a hard ass and then lighten up versus to come in really, really nice and then try to be a hard ass later because we're going to look at you like you're crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got me. You know what I'm saying? Like, so he came in and tried to, yeah, he he changed up as time went on, you know, but I got the hard ass hardball, you know, so he came in and I felt like I was going right back to my rookie year. And by the time he came in, I think I was 30, 31 already, you know, going to year eight, year nine. And um, and I just I wasn't I wasn't feeling, you know, the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type thing that was going on where he came in. He was really, really tough. And then he'll say something really slick to you. And the next day he'd be asking you about how your family doing and how your kids doing, you know, like he really care. And it, it was such a weird transition for me. So I wasn't feeling that at, at first I thought he was a great guy. And then I, I was like, is he a great guy? Then I'm like, man, yeah, he is a good guy. Is he a great? You know, you kind of going back and forth with him. So it was really hard for me to adjust. And I felt like I was going back from being a savvy vet to going all the way back to my rookie year when Harbaugh came in. Cause that's how he was like, he was on that John Gruden type mess where 
it was almost like he came in like playing Madden almost. You know, it was like, all right, we got these guys. I could just press the X button, make them spin and make them run harder. You know, press, you know what I'm saying? Like press the buttons. He, he just got, he it really seemed like he got it rocks off just having us beat each other up in practice every day. And none of us was feeling it. You know, we weren't feeling it. And then I remember he came in, he wanted to lift harder. You know, he wanted to lift heavy during the season. And Ike know better. You know, you can't lift heavy during the season. You beat your, you beat your arms and shoulders and neck up and back up. You try to lift heavy, you're going to probably hurt yourself. You know, so you have to maintain throughout the season and um and you know, you have to maintain what you've gained in the offseason through the season. You have to lift, but you can't lift the same way you lift in the offseason during right. the actual season yourself. And we had a bunch of injuries because of it, and I wasn't really trusting the field, the vibe. I tore my my tore my bicep tendon and my labrum up in the in the weight room that season, that last year. And I partially tore both of them. And then didn't know why I did it. I didn't know if it came from the weight room or it didn't come from the field. But no, the more I look back on it, I know it's coming from, I know it came from the weight room because it didn't start until I got into there, you know, benching and lifting heavy. And, you know, I'm throwing, you know, 265, 275 up, you know, through the season. And I'm like, man, something ain't right with my shoulder. I played the whole shoulder with a, when they told me I had a pinched nerve and I ended up having a torn labrum and bicep. You know, so my experiences with both of those guys were totally different. I also had bounced around the league a little bit too, Mark. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been to Tampa. I've been to New York. I already played for Herm Edwards, played for John Gruden, you know, Pete Carton, checking Germany. Then I came to Baltimore. So when I got there, Billick was like, I love this guy. You know, he's amazing. But the players hated him. You know, they felt like he was arrogant. He was an asshole. He was a prick. He wouldn't speak to him in the morning sometimes, just walk by him. And that bothered them. After coming from Gruden, that didn't bother me at all. I was like, bro, you good. You know, just keep doing what you're doing. Like, I rock, I rock with you, B. Go ahead. Handle your business, man. But, I mean, it was it was night and day for me. You know, at the same time, you know, we got the probably the dopest defense in the entire league. You know, we number one, number two every year. It's going to be us in Pittsburgh. Every single year, number one, number two in the league for five years while I was in Baltimore. And, and so, if anything – you know, you should have just set set aside a practice for offense and be like, y'all need to get y'all together. We're going to practice offense hard every, you know, every week and make us, you know, get up to par, you know. But we went, I came through those Kyle Bowler years and um, and it just, it was tough, man. You know, they had Roethlisberger the entire time and Kyle and Roethlisberger just didn't add up. Then we finally got Steve McNair that, that you know, that second and last year for, for me. And that first year we was unstoppable. Could nobody touch us? And then Steve got hurt that second year. And then all of a sudden we kind of right back on the backpedal phase. And we got, you know, got Flacco that next year and um had a chance to make a run. And then we lost to Ike them in the um AFC championship, my last game. Yeah, I think we played we played y'all three times that year. Think, yes, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It was yeah, freaking was... it was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, that that, that was that was, it was a, a tough, uh, it was a tough that was, year, boy. That's tough. That's that's hard on the body, boy. I'll tell you it that is. much. They played is. the Baltimore Ravens three times. And, and you you remember, Mike, somebody got knocked out and had to get carried out on the stretcher every game. All yeah, three games. Every, every, every game, every see, we used to call it, see, we used to call it catching the body. So somebody on either team was catching the body. So we used to Absolutely. call it their prom escort. So when the trainers, when the trainers pick you up from their prom escort. And you go to McDonald's, but you ask for uh, a pepperoni pizza. We already knew something more right up top. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. that's how it was. Yeah. That, that's how it was when we played each other, man. You go through that McDonald's drive through. It was and tough, you asked boy. for two tacos and a pepperoni pizza. <laughs> yeah, you, you didn't have a long, you, you had, had a you hard had the, night. You had the wrong restaurant, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, Mark, restaurant. I'm telling you, like, it, it was so bad yeah. that it was almost guaranteed 
somebody gonna get carried off the field the oh, very yeah. first play of the game, the opening kickoff. Oh, like that's yeah. that's how bad it was. Oh yeah, yeah. So well, if I you know the hit that, that come, so I'm sure. I know the hit that RC had at the end of the game, okay. where it was just you like you weren't sure if either guy was going to get up, but I did not realize uh, my memory has failed me in the sense that in the other two games, there were also people getting carted off the field. There were also yeah. players getting carted Because it was the first play of the game on, on kickoff return, kickoff. The first play of the game Man. every single time. So the very yeah. first play of the game, somebody had to come get them. Come get them. You had to do this right here to well, the sideline. Come get them. Yeah. Man. Yeah, it, it was. I'm telling you, man, that, them prom escorts. That's what we called it on our side. Them prom, prom escorts. escorts. You was getting, yeah, when you was getting escorted off the field by the trainer, yeah. and, and your helmet was sideways, and you know after after the game, we going to Ruth Chris or whatever, and you ordering a Big Mac. We said, dog, you need to go home and go to sleep, bro, because you at the wrong restaurant. <laughs> hey, I, I know, I never like rock and roll music inside until we played the Stillers. Oh, because yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they used to play that song, let the bodies hit the flow, let the bodies hit the flow. And you just, yeah, go, you just go crazy. Go crazy the whole Amazing. thing. Amazing. <laughs> uh, keeping it into 2023, Daniel, what I wanted to ask you, the Ravens introduced OBJ last week. You now have mm -hmm. a trio of OBJ, Rashad Bateman, a cold weather receiver Ike and I really liked out of Minnesota when he was coming out of the draft. And then Mark right. Andrews. You've got a great trio. The Petty Steelers fan in me says, hey, congratulations, Tyler Huntley. What do you make of the news Petty the Ravens Mark. signing OBJ? Yeah, you been Petty. Yeah. Um, Petty and I don't even blame you, man. Like, it, this thing has been such a, a clown foolery type thing this entire offseason. Everybody's over it. Everybody's tired of it. And, um, and, I mean, and it makes you want to say that because as soon as they low-tendered Lamar, I instantly said, that's it. He's not coming back. There's no way he's going to come back and play underneath the low tender contract. And I don't even blame him. I set out if I was him, I would have set the whole thing out. But I, I, once they signed OBJ, you know, don't forget they got Aguilar too. They went and got him from the Patriots, mm -hmm. you know, but, um, you know, you got Aguilar now, OBJ, and you got, you know, Bateman. And then you still got a couple of other guys like Duvernay that, that, that made big plays for him and too, man. But when I, as soon as they, as soon as they signed OBJ, I was like, maybe there's hope because there's no way OBJ a veteran receiver would take a job like the Baltimore Ravens, not knowing who their quarterback's going to be. And well, he got his 15. He was looking for 15. I said that too. I, I said that too. Now, look, I, now, and that only that's the only other reason. That's the only other reason. I said maybe it was just about the money for OBJ. He going to get that 15 mil. He when nobody else going to give it to him. The man don't been hurt two years in a row. Didn't even play last year at all. You know, now he's coming back, which I highly recommended for him to do to take last year's season off after that second knee injury to try to re, you know, really rehab the right way. They always rush us back and we come back not as healthy as we should be right, and getting, right. end up getting re-injured. And that's probably why he got hurt last time anyway. But I think Tim taking the last year off was huge for him and being able to rehab Correct. this entire time and build up the muscles. But I said the exact same thing. I, it's only two reasons this man would take this contract with the Baltimore Ravens is because he finna hit for 15 mil, which is only seven mil after taxes. We both know that, right? You know, he going to get seven mil. He going to get seven mil cash in his bank account. And, 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 you know, he going to get a chance to go play for one of the most elite teams in, in the country and still may have a chance to win the Super Bowl, regardless of Lamar Jackson come back or not, just right. because the Ravens defense is that potent. And um, and I think they're going to get better this year. I, I really do. I believe they're going to be a lot better defense this year. But I think he either gambling on the money or he only took it because he knew hands down that Lamar is going to sign. Mm -hmm. So who's the quarterback then, if not Lamar? Is it Huntley? Because the Ravens don't pick till number 22. I don't know. That's a great question, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Ravens are are such a they have always been such a detail oriented 
organization from top to bottom. And um, and Steve Bashotti told me to my face one time, if you let me go one-on-one with anybody in this world in any business, I'm going to win. If you let me put 100% of myself in anything, I'm going to win. That's the owner of the Ravens saying that. You know, so when you hear something like that, you know, you know that they thought this thing out upside down, all around, inside out. Dave was very, very, very quiet as far as the offseason transitions and who they picked up and who they brought in. Dave was, I mean, it, and the Ravens are usually busy, busy, busy making huge transitions. So this draft is going to be huge for them. And it, when I say huge for them, it not, it's, it's not always about who they're going to draft with the Ravens. You know, they'll take those picks and they'll use them. They'll move them around and they'll tra- they'll be on the phone talking to other teams the entire time through the draft. We'll, we'll, grab, we'll draft this guy and trade him to you for this guy. He might end up with something. We might end up with somebody else's starting quarterback that, that they was planning on starting mm-hmm. this year. It could be anybody. You just never know with the Ravens. They have thought this thing out a million different ways this Sunday. If they got Lamar and if they lose Lamar, they've thought this out. They're willing to depart with him to make a good business decision because it's all about business at the end of the day. We get caught up as players, as loyalty, because we've been trained that since we was five years old. We always been loyal and we really forget that this is a freaking business and and they run it like a business and we trying to be loyal. And no. They don't care about you being loyal. All they care about is if the if bottom line dollar, how much it's going to cost me to do this, do this. How can we stay underneath the cap? How can we make this business profitable, long in, and still fill those seats? Okay, so it's a business for the Ravens. It's, lo- it's loyalty for Lamar. He's still a young man, not realizing that whole process. And he allowed the business to play him on this back end, on, on the front end and the back end of things right now. Well, when, you, when you're doing them contracts, and that's what I think I learned early, like, um, I sat in, I sat in on my contracts and it hurt. And they yeah. tell you everything you can't do. And you right. like, and the reason why they're telling you that, because they don't want to pay eventually, y'all gonna meet up in the middle and y'all Absolutely. gonna wind up working it out. Um, you just gotta be smart about where you at. You can't look at nobody else's money. You gotta understand, hey, I'm comfortable with this on my own. I can't look at somebody else and be like, man, I should get what so and so get. You gotta be comfortable in that. So Lamar not not having a representative. He's seeing the real true business side of this, of this, uh, of this business. And they're telling him everything he can't do. And he's like, but man, I'm the perfect. And and he is, he's the perfect person goes into the organization up and down, whether it's the general manager, whether it's the, the, the janitor, um, everybody loves Lamar in that building. Nobody has nothing bad to say about Lamar in that building. It's just, when it comes down to that money, um, I figured it out earlier than, than later, um, when they talk in that business, you can't take it personal. And even though it do hurt, it hurts it's hard bad. Not to. Um, you saying you said I think you said it. You said it best, D. Um, there's loyalty with us, but it's business. When you come down to the owners and the GMs, that's just the way the game goes. So Lamar not having that representation, um, he's getting the dark side. He's getting the Joker side of right. a lot of these uh, of, of 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 how these uh, owners and GMs think. You know, um, when you have a agent. Uh, they can mask, they can finesse. They would know how to tell you, "Hey, we're just uh, we're a couple of million off right here. This is what they saying, but let's wait it out." But when you representing yourself, you get yeah. straight joker side from these uh, from these billionaires, and they've been billionaires for a reason. It's it's a reason why they're billionaires. So um, Lamar, in my mind, I think he didn't did everything on and off the field uh, for a guy for a franchise player. Now he's just in the business side. So when you represent yourself. Uh, especially at that position. It's a lot of guys who D-Hop, D-Hop represent himself when it comes down to contracts, but he's not a quarterback. 
when you when you play in that quarterback position and you're trying to get 250 million in four or five years, the representation of talks gonna be a little bit different between a receiver or a corner. You feel me? So um that's that's just my personal opinion about Lamar. I think Lamar did everything he needed to do on that off the field. Right. Um I think the team love him, the front office love him. It's just from a representation part, uh he's seeing the Joker side of this business. And um I, I would say he would have to get all his feelings, but that's hard for for me to say for him. It was easy for me to do because I didn't understand that business side, but the fact that you can understand, okay, man, this is a business. Let me go on and um, put my business suit on, so say, and, and and work things out. But him not getting that max uh, franchise deal, man, I think that played that play with his mind a lot because Lamar felt like he didn't did everything he needed to do. Um, it's it's a... And in 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 this in this business, it's 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 not what have you done for me lately. It's what can you do for me from this point on? You know, even right. though Lamar do have yep. a league MVP, his resume look real nice. The young man resume. I'm talking about wins and losses, everything, you. percentage throws. Yeah, yeah. The, the man, the man. What he's asking for, he deserved. But right. uh, they feel a certain way about it. So I mean, um, you said you said it right. I, I mean, you said it right, 100, percent man. Like it, I look at I look at negotiating contract like a, a a guy talking to his girlfriend or a husband talking to his wife. You know, the wife is going to tell you all the things that you're not doing right, and you're trying to tell her all the things that you're doing right. You know, so it's like, look, these are the things that I'm doing right. Like I deserve to be treated a certain way as the man, and the wife can be like, yeah, but I, I want this, 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 because women need a million different things from you. So the team is the woman in this female in this whole situation. They need a million things from you, and they 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 preach consistency, right? Sense of urgency. They preach consistency, and and you going out there and putting your your body and your life on the line every single play for this organization. And then when it comes town, you know, time for you to reap your benefits from it, then you have to you have to get slapped in the face with all the things that you didn't do, even though you went and did a million things right. You know, you still didn't wash the dishes after I cooked every single time. You know, and so now now I'm in trouble. Now, all right, so I get punished because I didn't wash the dishes every time. Okay, cool. I ain't take the trash out enough. Okay, cool. And that's kind of what it is. He had to get he got to get hit in the face mm-hmm. with anything that they can pull from that he wasn't able to do. It. You, you only won one playoff game. You know, you've been hurt two years in a row, even though it was a high ankle sprain and a knee sprain. Come on, it wasn't like a real injury. You know, so it's like now you're injury prone. Now I get labeled injury prone, and I didn't even do anything. I didn't do anything really to get hurt. Yeah, my, and mind you, the first year. See, see, see. Yeah, see, first- see, my my thing is my thing my thing is with these quarterbacks, um, how they talk about us quarterbacks is I didn't get injured scrambling, I got injured sitting in the pocket. Absolutely, and I got <laughs> you know, and, so and my it's, whole it's, offensive line was hurt, and my running backs was all out too that year. So I'm working on damn near my fourth running back. Uh, no, you pick your six, your six right, running back. All right, my six running back. Yeah. Me, me, I'm talking about me, you, Daniel, and Mark outside playing receiver. Okay. <laughs> and this, and this, I'll and take this, the slot. I'll take the slot, Ike. Right. Right. And this, 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 how y'all going to talk to me in the offseason? Yeah. Okay, man. I feel, I feel very disrespected because when you look, when you look at it, if you look at a, if you look at a Daniels who's sitting up there with the, with the Giants, uh, Coach Brian revamped his career. If you looked at when they, what they did with, uh, What's my guy from uh, Buffalo? I'm drawing a blank quarterback. Josh um, Allen. Josh Allen. Josh Allen. What they did put pieces around him because we was on it. We was on our way to say, "Uh oh, 
We was kind of confused about him. Then you, then when you go to Justin Herbert, you see what he got. He got yeah. a hell of a mix when it comes down to a receiver and a running back when it comes down to right. So when it Patrick Mahomes, so that's all Lamar was saying. Everybody Lamar was saying. like, "Bro, can y'all please, can y'all please give me something to work with?" Because I'm looking at these other quarterbacks, and it was on their way to being, "Oh, we don't know." To the organization and the teams being like, "You know what? Let's put some pieces around our quarterback and let's see what he can do." If they can do that for Lamar, if they would have been done that for Lamar, let's put some studs. All right, we got a stud tight end. Let's get a stud receiver or two or two. And we can't help that we was working on our fourth running back because the fourth running back, man, that's saying a lot about Lamar. So, I mean, I'm just looking at these organizations and pieces they put around these quarterbacks, man, to make them succeed. And for me, just my personal opinion, I'm like Baltimore, what y'all been waiting on? Because now y'all two right. or three years behind. I mean, y'all let y'all, y'all let y'all letting uh I'm drawing another blank. Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Joe Burrow. You saw, Burrow, you saw yeah. they did. So as soon as Joe Burrow stepped in the building, they said, Boy, we about to get some pieces around you. That's exactly what we about to do. And that's Stack. all I that's Stack. all I think Lamar been saying. Lamar like, man, if y'all give me some Joe Burrow, some Josh Allen, some Justin Herbert kind of pieces. Ain't no telling how many Super Bowls we probably would have been to, mm-hmm. let alone win. Right. Ike, let me well, piggyback well, off that. Well, I, gotta, I gotta go. Ike, I will piggyback no, off that and close good. this out. Uh, to okay. piggyback off your point, too. D, 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 thanks for coming on, D, bro. You too, Ike, man. Get the meetings, man. Handle your business, man. I know how crazy that scouting department is, man. Go kill it. I'll finish up with Mark. I appreciate you. Appreciate you, Mark. Appreciate you. Oh, oh, matter of fact, I got to appreciate betonline.ag for always uh, showing us love and sponsoring our show. Uh, got to appreciate Brinks TV, Miss Courtney and her crew. Got to appreciate you, D, from coming on. Got to appreciate Mark for being the best co- co-host, man. So I'll see y'all in a few. Love. All right, big guy. Love you, Ike. Love you, Ike. And to piggyback off Ike's point as well, uh, when you're going to pay Lamar between 40 and $50 million per season, and you're talking about, okay, he's missed 10 regular season games in the last two seasons. He's 26, and you consider running backs are ancient at, say, 30 years old. That's only proving the point. It's amazing listening to both you and Ike uh, speak about this, Daniel, about understanding both it from the player side, but then from the business negotiation side of how right. the owners and the GM see this negotiation as well. Yeah, you know what, Mark, um, you know, like Ike, I, I did an internship with the Ravens in the player personnel department. So I was a scout for almost a full year with the Ravens. Um, and they offered me a position to stay there. You know, Eric DaCosta offered me a position and I decided I was going to be a scout. Then COVID hit, you know, kind of messed up the whole thing for me. Right. You know, and I had never seen how they look at us, you know, up top in that room. And I think one of the things that's, you know, that's you you have to rate players as scouts, as GMs, as presidents of the team, as owners of the team, you have to sit in a room with with 25 people and say, all right, who do you think the best player is on the team? And then you rate them one through 100, like one through 60, one through 65. You know, how many other guys on the team? One through 53, right? Um, and that's how you rate your players. And the year I was there, Lamar was number one. This was a year, this was this was a year going into the MVP year, you know, and it was like, yeah, he was number one, bro. Like hands down. You saw him out there in practice. He started off kind of slow, not throwing the ball right, accurate. And then for you know, by the end of the training camp, it was 
dime after dime after dime after dime after dime. And he was doing, he was running the ball, but very, very little. You know, you never saw him. He wasn't running the ball and taking off running all the freaking time like you would think. And he sat in the pocket and just picked people apart. And I remember that year that um, we went up to Philly that year to practice with Philly that game, for Philly for a whole week of practice. And then Jacksonville came to us to practice with us for a whole week. And you would hear them talking because he had just came out of the draft. People were still talking about your quarterbacks and running back. You know, you could hear the other players from the other teams saying stupid stuff like that. But by the end of that week, they were quiet because he had them drop downs on them left and right, left and right, left. They didn't want to see that. And by the end of the week, they were talking about how dope he was and how good he was, how great of a player he was. The Ravens ranked him that year. He was the number one, number two player on the whole team. You know, so you're talking about for the last five years, he's been the, he's been like literally the number one player on your team and you've ran your entire offense around him, regardless of who you brought in. You've ran every everything through him and facilitated everything. I mean, he was a leading rusher almost, you know, almost every season, you know, and he broke records every single year. So it's like I don't understand. I didn't understand how you allow the the MVP of the entire league, even on the, on the top 100, NFL top 100, He all the players rated him number one in the entire league, not just your team, but the entire league. All 32 teams voted Lamar as number one player in the NFL that year, top 100 after the MVP year. So it's like, how do you allow him to go five years and he only make 25 mil or 30 mil when other court QBs that came in with him was made 80 or 90 mil? Like, how do you allow that to happen and the way you allow that to happen is he don't have an agent. He don't have an agent. Nobody sat down and said, hey, man, we need to sit out this year if they don't pay us more right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and we need to sit out and get your money. He should have got this 133, you know, three years ago. Since he didn't get it, you know, he's sitting like 60, 70,000, 60, 70 million less than almost all the other quarterbacks that came out with him. And he, he's arguably the best one out of all those guys. Yeah. You know, so he I think the issue is that he's trying to get that money back that he did not get because he said, hey, man, I'm just going to play out my rookie deal. I'm, I'm going to continue to show you guys and prove you guys how valuable I am to the team. And every time he gets hurt, you know, he leaves the team and he leaves them like eight and one, eight and two, and then they lose they lose seven games straight without him. You know, so it's like he's showing you his value, but you're going to use him hurt being hurt by default now, you know, he's hurt because he don't have his starting left tackle. He don't have his starting right tackle that he had. One of his best friends was Orlando Brown. He ended up leaving and go to Kansas City. You know, they paid him instead of you paying him. You know, you, you pay Ronnie Stanley all this money, then he get hurt, and he don't even play for you for two years. You know, you're starting left tackle. So now he's playing with all these backup guys, and then the first year he got hurt, man, they had they literally had guys – they had a third and fourth screen offensive lineman out there playing guys they picked up off the street and they rotating guys mm-hmm. in different positions that they never played before just to try to get through the season. And he got hurt running for his life, you know? So to me, there's, there's a certain amount of money that you have to give him for back pay. You know, you got to give him some back pay because he only made 25 mil or 30 mil mm-hmm. at the last five seasons, which you got to keep in mind at 25 for five, that's five mil a year. That's 2.5 a year that he sees in his pocket. And he has to, he's in the higher range of celebrity status when it comes to the NFL. Oh, he can't, that's he can't, easily, easily. Yeah, he can't go nowhere without security. He can't run up in the building with that chain on that he wears and not think somebody's going to try to snatch it. You know, he can't stay anywhere. You know, he can't just go stay anywhere. He can't just stay in a regulated community. He got to stay in like an upper echelon of gated communities mm-hmm. because of the fact of who he is, period. You know, so all that stuff costs money. So with 2.5 a year, the kid is probably struggling financially. You know, I'm sure. I mean, he missed out on all his endorsement deals because he don't have an agent. 
You know, he's yeah. probably he's probably taking minimal of that of that. Well, I, I see other quarterbacks in the league that have gotten big contract extensions, right. and it's like Lamar's better than every single one of them. And I'll name it's, names, it's Daniel. I know you might I'll, I'll name I'll name him. Kyler Murray. Okay. Yeah. He got his big deal last year. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson. And I'm not yeah. even talking about the player, but everything off the field, too. And Messy. he got that 250 million guaranteed. Messy Dak Prescott, too. And I know they front-loaded Dak Prescott's deal which is what I think they should do with Lamar. But like, I, I get it. And so it's like, okay, if they're making, say the bar is 40 minimum, minimum, he's better than every single one of those guys I just named point blank period. It's just yeah, the truth. It's I just the truth. You. Um, you also bring up a great point too. And maybe this is my perspective from afar, but how do other teams evaluate the moves that you're making in the players that you're bringing in, whether it's contract negotiation or whether through it's the draft and Ike and I a year ago are going through, okay, recapping the draft. And we look at, Oh, who do the Ravens get at the safety position? Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame. And we're like, we hate to admit it, but that's a great pick. If the Ravens lose Lamar, it's not that Pittsburgh hasn't had success against him. They actually game plan better than a lot of other teams do against Lamar. But it's exactly what you said, Daniel, is look at what the Ravens record is with Lamar playing in games versus Mm -hmm. not. And that's where I go to, okay, the lack of playoff success. I could point to a ton of other quarterbacks that have not had playoff success. Lamar's still just 26. So his scrambling ability might not be at a level that that it's at now for the duration of his career, but he might figure some other figure out some other parts of the quarterbacking position, how it's gotten to this point. I question, okay, are quarterbacks going to be valued the same way they were a year ago? And if not, I I really think there's a real power dynamic. What happened Mm -hmm. was, and we look across the division, what happened with Deshaun Watson? Take, And I'm not talking about the the off-the-field stuff, but I'm talking about the guaranteed contract that the Browns awarded Watson. Is that going to be the new norm when it comes to quarterbacks, or is that going to be the exception when it comes to quarterbacks? So to me, this whole Lamar Jackson discussion doesn't really have to do with Lamar. It's the power dynamic between ownership, general managers, and players. I absolutely agree, Mark. I, I think the Deshaun Watson deal is going to be like an anomaly. Like nobody's going to try to follow that. Everybody's pissed off about it. All thirty-two owners, all thirty-one owners that are left over from the Cleveland Browns. Yeah all upset about it so since i think they're all upset about it they're trying to reset the market right now by how they pay lamar the problem is is the longer they wait then they're gonna have to pay burrow and they're gonna have to pay the rest of these guys you know once they pay those guys and that's gonna set the bar for what lamar gets too you know so the sad part about it is from the from the business standpoint of it what the ravens is doing is on point like it's perfect it's smart it's very very thought out it makes perfect sense you know, even them basically allowing him to play himself out his whole rookie deal without restructuring his deal. I mean, they paid the man 20, they paid him 25 mil, 30 mil. That's pennies for what this guy was worth for the last five years. And then you didn't even go load him up on offense with all this stud talent that he could have got. Then you go get OBJ after two knee surgeries. And he's, you know, he's he's over, he's not over the hill, but he is, you know, he he's already had a bunch of injuries. And you could call him injury prone because he's had two knee surgeries now, mm-hmm. right? you know, real, real injuries. And, you know, you had, you still not loading them up with the top, the top receivers in the league. You know, you're not giving him that Tyreek Hill, you know, like the Dolphins did last year, you know? So my thing is 
the Ravens is doing smart business. Lamar is his business dealings right now is not on par what they need to be. And I, I think is he does need, and I'm not even gonna say he need an agent. He just need a, a, a lawyer or somebody that he could trust to really go in and help negotiate this contract with him. You know, that's, that's qualified or certified enough to be able to do it. Right. And, um, it's, you could be, you can get a business attorney to come in and, and help read these contracts and figure this thing out and help make sure that you get the best out of this thing. Somebody that's going to be there to represent you. And a lawyer is good because they debate all the time. They go to court all the freaking time. They go back and forth. You're not going to, you're not going to make them nervous or because, you know, when you argue with your girl, you get to a point, you're like, bro, I'm good. You know what? I don't want to argue with you no more. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it is. You know, this is such an emotional thing to deal with. I poured all myself into this thing for you guys. I played hurt for you guys. I did everything I can for you guys. And I put the team on my back for you guys multiple times. I went into the locker room and came out like Superman and won that one game for you guys. You know, all this thing, all the stuff that I've done. And you guys are going to sit here and just tell me what I've done wrong. And what I haven't done right. I haven't done anything outside of, you know, the public eye to make me look bad or make the franchise look bad. I've been, you know, very good. I do stuff in the community all the time with you guys. You know, like, how you going to sit here and then not give me what I want? You know, and this is what this guy got. He's in our same conference, our same division. I understand what you're saying. It's anomaly and it's not right. And he's not supposed, he wasn't supposed to get that. And I don't need that. But give me 200 guaranteed. Let's go. Let's see what happens, you know, and um, I think that's what it was. I think he I think his number, I don't know exactly what it was, but if I had to guess, I would think his number would be at least 200. That would be more than what everybody else got except Deshaun, you know, so it just I, I don't know. I, I think the Ravens don't want to they, they, they're trying to make sure that they hold down the other 31 owners or the other 30 owners that didn't make this poor decision like Cleveland did. And because once you start paying guys 230 mil guaranteed, that sets the bar for everyone else to get paid. You know, so if you could reset the market now with Lamar being one of the top five quarterbacks in the league and not pay him two two hundred and thirty mil, two hundred and fifty mil guaranteed, now that 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 restructures everything. Now everybody has to kind of pay attention because nobody else has gotten nowhere near that two thirty that Deshaun got. And I heard they was trying to restructure the two thirty right now. Daniel, this is just my opinion as well. I think Lamar saved John Harbaugh's job back when he was a rookie as well. He did. He did. Harbaugh would have been out of there. Everybody was talking about it. And um, it it was it was no doubt in my mind he was getting fired after that at that season. But Lamar came in and they, I remember I was there. I mean Harbaugh was talking about this new revolution style offense that we were going to bring in. Nobody's going to be prepared for it, and he was absolutely right. Nobody it took the, it took the league by storm. They came in and they killed people that first year. That's how Lamar got the MVP. The problem was they never made adjustments. When everybody else made adjustments that next year to stop that mess. You know, the Ravens never made adjustments. You know, the OC never made adjustments. So since he never made adjustments and then you keep him for another two years after that. So three years of no adjustments. Everybody knows what you're doing. Lamar went on camera that next year like, man, they're calling out the plays before we even run them. You know, like mm-hmm. they, as soon as we line up, they know exactly what we're running. Like, that's a problem. And, and he was frustrated. He was really frustrated the next season. That next season, I remember him being on air telling the whole world, like, they know the plays before we call them. We need to change some stuff. Like, it's, it's not going. He basically called out his OC on national television, which was yeah. a no-no, which was a no-no, right? Well, you've know? you, you got a new OC headed into this season, though, too now. Yeah, but you go get a guy out of, out of college. I don't know how happy he is about that. You go get a college mm. guy to come in that hasn't been proven in the NFL. I mean, to me, it's experimental. You know, it may it may turn out great for the Ravens. The offense that he run may be spectacular, and it may be a phenomenal thing. But it's to me, it's all experimental. You don't know what he's going to do, you know, versus somebody like an Andy Reid and stuff like that. You know what they're going to give you. You know that offense is about to be dynamic. You're taking a shot 
like a you know a shot in the wind by putting the guy up from college and saying, all right, this is our new OC. And you just did the same thing last year with the defense. Don't get it twisted. Now, Mike McDonald left the Ravens linebackers staff and then went over to Michigan, had one great year at Michigan and came right back. And now he's a DC and we sucked on defense the first six, seven games of the of the season. And there was so many miscommunications. We lost to the Dolphins. We lost two or three teams and it was all defense. It wasn't Lamar's fault. Mm. It was defense. Lamar put him in. He scored enough points. And um, the defense just didn't play the way they normally plays, and and it cost us in the long run. Daniel Wilcox, I have like another half dozen to a dozen questions. Let's go. I do want to ask you, but <laughs> <laughs> let's go, Mark. Listen, man, I'd keep you here till sundown. Is there anything that I haven't asked, been smart enough to ask you that you would like to get across between now and the start of the regular season? We are now ten days away from the draft as well. Anything else that our listeners and viewers should know? Um, off the top of my head, Mark, I can't really think of anything. Um, I just know that the Ravens have some really tough decisions to make. I think they're stacked on the defensive side of the ball. I think they could have moved around a couple of pieces over there that they didn't, they, they didn't move around. Um, I think losing Calais Campbell leadership was huge for us. Um, there, there's going to be some stuff that's going to be replaced. I'm sure in the middle of the field that that kind of take up for his absence. Lose a lot of times when you lose somebody that's such a permanent figure like a Ray Lewis or Ed Reed, you have to go get two guys to kind of compensate for that one guy. And that's what the Ravens are good at doing. They 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 find a way to get a guy that'll play two second and third down, first and second down, and somebody else that'll play third and fourth. You know, and they they'll figure it out. They'll get that production the way they need to get it. You know, and um, you know, it's going to be interesting to kind of see what happens. These next these next two or three weeks when the draft comes about the quarterback situation in Baltimore, I kind of figured this thing was going to wait to after the draft before it all unveiled, because once the draft comes in, you'll kind of pick up all the pieces and stuff that you really, really, truly need. And then you'll be able to to maneuver some things around and move some things around and make some deals with some guys. And the Ravens are nonstop. They're always bringing guys in to train them, to work them out, to see where they at, to see how their body looks, to see how they feel, to put them through physicals. They do this stuff year round, every single week, all throughout the season, all throughout the off season. They're constantly flying guys in to see where they stand. They, they was injured last year. Or they got banged up last year. They didn't play as well last year. They'll bring them in to see just where they stand, and they'll have them. They'll have a whole pot of guys just waiting to pick up the phone and call when somebody else goes down. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how this thing plays out through training camp. And, and Harbaugh is not, he's not a slouch as a coach, you know, you know, him coming in as a special teams guy, that means you got to do all the little things, right. You know, so he's big on that, doing all the little things, right. He'll be fundamentally sound. He'll have his coaching staff fundamentally ready to go. And he should, he don't have any problem calling guys out. I think that's probably one of his best, his best attributes as a coach. You know, I think he'll call out the guys that didn't do well coaching last year because I felt like a lot of this stuff was coaching related, you know, the losses that we had last season. So I felt like he'll call those guys out. He'll make sure those guys on their P's and Q's and put their best foot forward. And they'll go into training camp really, really well. By the first week of the season, they'll play extremely great with whoever they decide to bring in on this staff. That is Daniel Wilcox. And you can check him out on the Believe in Ravens podcast. And Daniel, we will need to do this again, because like I said, I would keep you here till sundown with all the questions that I have. Tremendous, tremendous insight. 
Go ahead and plug your show on how our viewers and listeners can tune in and listen. And if you want to plug anything else, the floor is yours. Okay. Well, one of my teammates, Thomas Jones, he's a, he played running back with me down in, in Tampa, Florida. He's retired as well right now. He's into acting. He was in a bunch of stuff already, you know, being Mary Jane with Gabrielle Union. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also did the Straight Outta Compton movie with Ice Cube and all those guys. Um, but he's done a ton of stuff since he's retired. And um, he started a TV show called Life After. It's on Amazon. So if you're on Amazon, if you got Amazon Prime out there, check out Life After. Um, it's Thomas Jones, the producer of, of the show. And um, his he's on episode number one. I'm on episode number seven. Um, it's a bunch of guys on there, a bunch of NFL guys that you wouldn't even believe. The Marcus Ware is guys, you know, guys like that. You know, it's guys that's on this show that's just kind of showing you what they're doing now, life after football. I also made my appearance on there on episode seven. Um, please take a chance and, 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 and you know, support them and, and, and watch the show and, and see where it goes. Um, also, I'm on the Believe Network, me and Bo Smoker, a reporter up in Baltimore. Um, we have the Believe in the Ravens podcast. You can check us out on any podcast platform. We're on all of them, you know, so even YouTube. So if you get a chance, check us out, Believe in the Ravens podcast. And um, that's it, man. You know, I appreciate you having me on, guys. I mean, it was great seeing Ike. I haven't seen Ike in a long time. And, um, you know, you guys are doing a phenomenal job. And just keep it up. You know, keep up the great work, Mark. For Ike Taylor and our guest today, Daniel Wilcox, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for watching the Believe in Steelers show. We'll see you next time. Until then, take care and so long, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.